0: We are live in the Brigino Baseball Clubhouse at 67 East 11th Street in the landmark cast iron building, Greenwich Village, City of New York. Uh, we start tonight as we always do. To those of you who are here for the first time, welcome. To those who have been here before, welcome home. Tonight's special guest, uh, I just want to give a, a little quick Mini bio. I think everybody here probably knows, but those listening to the podcast may not. Uh, Phil Pepe is the author of more than 50 books on sports, and I feel bad when I just like throw a line out like that. He's the author of more than 50 books. I mean, just think about that for a second. Uh, Phil was the Yankees beat writer for the New York Daily News and the former president of the Baseball Writers Association of America. So tonight. Please join me in welcoming Phil Pepe to the clubhouse. And the book, which just came out, I think maybe today. today. Is the yeah, yeah, so uh, it's Core Four, published by Triumph Books, written by Phil Pepe. And uh, what we'll do is, I have a feeling there are uh, some pretty good diehard Yankee fans in the crowd. Uh, so I think we're going to get to their questions so please save your questions and we're gonna, we're gonna, we'll get to all of them uh, but just a few things to get us going uh, my first question that I've always uh, been a little fascinated by and I just wanted to get your thoughts on this from the research you did uh, well first I have some quick background these four, core four guys for those who may not know Derek Jeter, Mariano Rivera, Andy Pettit and Jorge Posada They played together for 13 years. They went to the postseason 12 times in those 13 years. They won seven American League pennants and five World Series as this core four. And I would just be interested to know, when did the Yankees first realize that they had something very special and unique in baseball history. W- were they still in the minor leagues? Or? Well, I, as,
1: as, as, as a group? A foursome, yeah. I don't think they realized that until they got to the big leagues. You know, each individual, well, first of all, you start with Rivera. They didn't even think he was a prospect. They signed him for $3,500. I mean, that was <laughs> it's nothing. It's peanuts. And they uh, they first looked at him. He was, an, he was a shortstop. And then... Uh, a scout who'd seen him as a shortstop was back, went back down to Panama to look at somebody else and he, he uh, hears about this pitcher he says, Mariano Rivera I thought he was a shortstop, it's the same guy now he's a pitcher so he he was, even in the when he was, before he was signed, he was like 85, 86 miles an hour he wasn't really a prospect they liked his competitiveness they liked his makeup they liked his physicality he was an athlete, so they signed him for thirty five hundred dollars, which tells you that they didn't think he was much of a prospect. It wasn't until he got, uh, I guess, when he was uh, either his first or second year, when he pitched a uh, five or six inning no hitter, pitched uh, he pitched six in- no hit innings as a he st- was a starter that somewhat that opened their eyes. They almost traded him uh, to Seattle. They were looking for a shortstop before they had Jeter can't think of the name of the shortstop. Anybody remember the name sorry. of the shortstop that Seattle had at the
2: industry?
0: Felix me. Felix me.
1: I don't think that was, maybe it was. He was a regular shortstop uh, for the Mariners. Wasn't that No, it wasn't Pascal. Was anybody that good? It might, it might have been for me. Anyway, they didn't have, they had uh, Fernandez who was playing short and he got hurt and so they were looking to replace him. And they almost traded uh, Rivera in that deal that would have brought it them a shortstop, and it was Gene Michael who said, "No, he can't. His arm—he's got a good arm—and we don't want to do that." So, uh, Gita was de- obviously was a high draft. He was seventh uh, pick in the country. Right. Amazing to think that there were six players picked ahead of him. <laughs> uh, and you know that the story that I mentioned that I, I uh, recount in this book is that the. Uh, scout for the Detroit Tigers that scouted the mis- mi- uh, Michigan area was Hal Newhouse of the Hall of Fame left-handed pitcher. Great guy. He was a wonderful guy. He was scouting and he begged the Tigers to take uh, Jeter with the number one pick. Uh, he w- No, I'm sorry. It wasn't the Tigers. He was, he was scouting for the Houston Astros and they had the number one pick and he begged them to take Jeter and they didn't take him. They wanted a guy who was Jeter was a high school kid. They wanted a college kid who was closer to being major league ready. And they, their number one pick was a guy by the name of Bob Nevin. He played that. in the big leagues, yeah. but he was no <laughs> better <Barry Gita. laughs> And no. because of that, because they chose not to take Jeter, Newhouse uh, resigned, quit the Jeter's job over their failure to listen to his recommendation.
0: And the Astros have been on a uh, downward spiral ever, that was since? ever yeah. since. Well, they won after that. Yeah. I mean, they had Michio
1: yeah. and, and Bagwell, right. so they did win some games. Uh, the other one was, or well, Pettit was, was not a big-time prospect. I think he was p- taken, I can't even remember, uh, he was taken in the seventh or eighth or ninth round. There were, I think there was four or five players taken ahead of him by the Yankees. Three of them were pitchers, and they amounted to nothing. Uh, and he was a guy who pitched in a, uh, for a, a, a uh, n- not a junior, yeah, a junior college or a community college. Uh, and the the uh, San Jacinto Ju- the Junior Community College, which is very well known, had a great baseball program, and also uh, produced Roger Clemens. And the guy who was the coach of that school... Became the coach at and still is the coach at Rice University, and has won like three world national championships. has a, has a great reputation, and it was an original Met a guy by the name of Wayne Graham. anybody remember Wayne Graham playing for the Mets in 1962? Got about 26 at bats, <laughs> but he was with the big the team in 1962. And I looked him up; he actually played for the Mets, and he became a big time college coach. He was uh, Pettis coach in junior college, community college. And the other guy was, you know, Posada was a a second baseman, an infielder. And he played for a community college in uh, Decatur, Alabama, if you can imagine that, Uh, which is like a culture shock. You know, you're a a kid. People talk about Posada uh, being a Puerto Rican. He's not. He's Cuban. Uh, His family left Cuba Oh, the Castro, the Castro uh, regime came in and his father let, took his family and let, they moved to Puerto Rico but he's, defi- he's actually a Cuban who grew up in Puerto Rico and now he comes to the United States and he goes he's playing in uh, Decatur, Alabama it was like <laughs> 5% of the population was Hispanic right. in the whole town you know? and so uh, they converted into a catcher and you know the rest is history
0: Was he converted uh, to a catcher his first year?
1: No, well, not until he became a professional. He did a little catching in high school and a little bit in college, but they used him uh, in college as a third baseman. He set all kinds of school records in hitting. I think he still holds the record for doubles in a season. But it wasn't until he got to be a professional. In fact, I remember seeing him play when uh, the Yankees had a farm team in Oneonta. And I was in uh, Cooperstown one year, and I went to a game in Oriana, and there was uh, Jorge Posada playing second base.
0: And what did you think of him at that point? I didn't point?
1: have any opinion at all. <laughs> didn't appear, you know, I, first of all, I, I don't have an eye for that sort okay. of thing. But he wasn't even regarded as a top prospect. So uh, you know, it, it was a surprise to me. when well, the next thing I know, he's coming up the, the ladder as a catcher, and very highly regarded as a catcher. So
0: it sounds as though out of the core four... Only Jeter was re- really regarded as a as a, a quote unquote camp miss yeah. star. Well, you Jeter. know the
1: line that his his uh, the scout that signed him became famous for when when the uh, the time came for them to decide who are they going to pick with their with the seventh round the seventh pick in the country and one, somebody with the Yankees said, well we know that kid he's going to go to Michigan and he had a, a scholarship offer to play at the University of Michigan and the scout said. No, De- Derek Gina's not going to Michigan. The only place he's going is Cooperstown. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. It's uh,
0: yeah, amazing. It's also amazing the four the way the four guys are. Besides their obvious talents on the field, or what became obvious talents on the field, is
1: the makeup of these four guys. It's it's it probably one of the things and, you know, and it's very interesting that the Yankees seem to whether they actually go out and, and sign people like that or whether they become that kind of person after they become Yankees because it filters down from on high and through the years. And so, I mean, you see it now, Rivera has become a mentor for younger players. Right. Somebody mentored him, he mentors it, passes it along. And it's very unusual, obviously, in, in this day, to have one player play with one team for his entire career but to have two of them well three including Posada I mean that's unheard of right Uh, Pettit is the only one he left well he had an excuse he went he wanted to be closer to home but uh, the other three played what 15, 16 years together right and two of them have played this will be 19 years together amazing Uh, these days it's unheard of yeah
0: yeah I mean I, I don't who knows, but I can't imagine this will ever happen again uh, like Unlikely. Yeah.
1: They made it such a big thing out of uh, Alan Trammell and Lou Whitaker playing together yeah. as a double play combination for 18 seasons. Right. Uh, and that was unique because they wore a double play combination. But that's 30 years ago they did. <laughs> yeah, that exactly. not happen, it's not happening too much now. And, and it's, it's part of the reason is because players have opportunities to go elsewhere. There, there are very few teams that can afford to keep paying them for nineteen years. I mean, you see, after six years, uh, if you're a, if you're playing for Houston or Cleveland, or you're going to become a free agent, you're going to go somewhere else where they're going to pay you.
0: Now, you've been writing about the Yankees for decades. Uh, sorry, almost hundred years. <laughs> And uh, was there something in particular that drove you to want to write this this particular book at no, this time? Yeah.
1: The, I got a phone call from the publisher who said, told me, <laughs> <he> said <laughs> you know, the, the hardest thing about writing a book is to sell a publisher on your idea. That's difficult to, to do. I didn't have to do that. They sold okay. me. They came to me. And I I was I was reluctant to do it at first. I said, look, I haven't covered the team in 20 years. I'm not there on a daily basis. I don't know these guys. They don't know me. I can't possibly expect them to cooperate with me. Uh, c- uh, certainly, Gita doesn't, doesn't say anything anyway. <laughs> it's just impossible to interview. And I doubt that he would cooperate. And even if I could get them to cooperate, how long would they? How much time would they give me? They're not getting anything out of it. They're not getting it paid. So I said, I will do it only on one condition you will accept the fact that I'm not going to be able to talk to them directly. I will talk to others about them and I will research things and I will use that. But I'm not going to put myself in a position of being told, you know, to get lost. They don't want to talk to me. And they accepted that. The they, publisher had no problem. No, they just wanted, they felt the timing was right and they wanted to have this done and they thought I was the one to do it and so I did. Uh, and I was able to talk to the coach at uh, San Jacinto, and the coach at Decatur, and the first manager of of Mariano Rivera, a guy by the name of Sherlock, who was a bullpen coach for the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks, and uh, Stone Merrill, who was the first manager to manage the four of them as a a unit. Uh, People, things like Gene Michael. uh, So I talked to people about them without having to talk to them
0: just out of interest since you mentioned Merrill as the first manager that's a great trivia question by the way
1: Uh, what insight did he give you well he talked about the time that uh, Posada had a broken leg he thought that he said I never thought that he he was a player at the plate somebody slid into him and it was so his leg was so mangled that there was some question that that, uh, uh, Posada would ever play again that he, w- he would ever walk properly again. So he to- he uh, remembered that and discussed that. Uh, he really didn't have any any kind of insight. By the time he got them, they were in AAA, so they were all oh, okay. on their way. Right. It was in Columbus, so it wasn't like he discovered them. The guy who was most revealing was the, uh, the fellow Sherlock, who recognized uh, who had Rivera in his rookie season in, in, in the, the minor leagues. And was the manager uh, when he pitched that no hitter, oh, wow. so he was able to give me some insight into that. But uh, <coughs> Merrill d- really couldn't contribute much. I mean, he was just—he he by that time he was just a caretaker. He was just making certain that these guys—he was under orders to to play them, uh, to play Posada as a catcher and whatever else he was told to do, right? And to make sure develop them, make sure that he didn't over overplay them, wear them out, and make them available to pl- to go to the big leagues.
0: From the other uh, folks that you spoke to, were uh, any of top-of-the-mind stories that, that you, you can think of about any of the four guys that surprised you in a way, or, or something that you d- didn't know at all after all this time? Although you hadn't covered them, in particular, you still were a Yankee writer for a long time. So... And does anything stick out on something that you that even you were shocked
1: by? No, I wanna, there's a lot in there, but I, I don't want to give it back. <laughs> <right. laughs> uh, I don't really remember anything that, that shocked me, that uh, surprised me. It was interesting um, to find out what they were like when they were very young. Uh, I, I think probably the most interesting thing was talking to this uh, coach in, in Alabama who had this thick southern accent and the relationship uh, the, that, that he developed with Posada, uh, and his wife, I talked to his wife too, and his wife, not Posada's wife, the coach's wife, right. they took P- Posada into some kind of trouble. They wouldn't tell me what it was. It wasn't anything that, was, that uh, uh, the police needed to get involved, but it was something around campus that he did that he was uh, reprimanded for. and the. Uh, Athletic director was threatening to suspend him, or, or, anyway, so they took him in. He, oh, he, ha- he lost his residence, his uh, on school residence. That was the punishment. So the uh, the coach and his wife took him in, and he lived with them for a couple of months. <laughs> <laughs> so, which was
2: that's really good, yeah,
0: that's interesting. All right, let's uh, see if any of the Yankee nuts in the audience. Uh mm-hmm. Oh, you don't have to be a Yankee nut, but... I'm a Brooklyn Dodger
3: fan. Okay. <laughs> Me too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I still am. Did you see the
2: movie? <laughs> yes. Last week, I And loved
0: it. What did you... Before we get to your question... What you like This is not... Uh, yeah, go ahead.
3: Except for oh. the... Uh, the... You know, typical polygathy. Pretty much I everything.
0: And what did you think?
1: I thought that uh, Harrison Ford was Oscar worthy. I knew him. and he was. And I, I don't want to say I knew Branch Rickey, but I was in his company, and he was Branch Rickey. It was yeah. amazing to me. And when I when I was in Branch Rickey's company, he was like twenty or thirty years older than he po- was portrayed in the movie, but still, the the gestures, the mannerisms. This, the cigar, the, the, la- the language, the way he spoke, it was right on, dead on target. He was wonderful, magnificent. I think, I don't know whether he's going to be eligible for the, uh, for the uh, Academy Award, but to, to my mind, he was just perfect. Mine uh, too. The young man who played Jackie Robinson was a good actor, but he wasn't Jackie Robinson. Didn't look like him didn't sound like him, didn't run like him with the pigeon-toed thing, didn't swing the bat like him, but did a good job. But I'll tell you a story, but not many people know this, and I, and I don't tell too it. I'm the guy who told Jackie Robinson that Branch Rickey passed away. And it just coincidentally happened. I never covered Jackie Robinson. I watched him play many times. I was a kid growing up in Brooklyn and I went, went to have his field frequently, but uh, I got to know know him a little bit. After he retired, Governor Rockefeller put him on the New York State Athletic Commission. He was an assistant athletic commissioner. And one of his functions was to go to uh, boxing lunches. And I used to cover boxing for the Daily News. No, before the Daily News, the World Telegram. I covered boxing, and I covered these luncheons. And one day, I find myself at a luncheon sitting at the same table as Jackie Robinson. And we get into a conversation. He was very, very nice to me, very cordial, and very uh, helpful. And he said to me, if I can ever do anything for you, here's my home phone number in Greenwich. his phone number Call me. So I took it. I never expected to use it. And one day, I'm sitting in, the, in my office one night, and it comes across a wire that... Ranch Ricky passed away in uh, Missouri, I guess it was. I forget where he died. So I was writing a column, and I said, "Wow, <laughs> what do I? How do I write a column?" Well, I know I have Jackie Robinson's phone number, so I picked up the phone and I called Greenwich, and it had to be like somewhere around eleven o'clock at night. And I know I woke him up, and he got on the phone and I, I apologized for calling him at such a late hour. I said, "But I, I have some bad news to pass along, and I'd like your comment on it." And I told him, Rickey just died." And I heard him say, "Ray, please take the phone for a few minutes. Mr. Ricky passed away. He wanted to get, gather his thoughts." I spoke with Mrs. Robinson briefly, and until he was ready to give me a comment, and I have the column at home oh. <laughs> to this day. So uh, that was my contribution to history.
2: What did he say? <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> the obvious, you
1: know, how much. Yeah. Uh, they, it was it was obvious that he had great affection for the man but why wouldn't he? he? And he was just uh, not surprised because I guess uh, Ricky had been in, in bad health but he just praised him and how much he owed him and how much he he appreciated, what gratitude he had for him and all the obvious things and he was very eloquent as, as he always was uh, and he had that if you ever heard, he's had this high pitched voice, very distinctive voice. That's why it, 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 I was put off by by this can't fault of the actor for not being able to uh, uh, speak like like Jackie spoke, but it was so distinctive. You know, it's so vivid in my mind uh, that that conversation. Right.
0: Wait. wait. Uh, did we ever get to your question or not? No. Okay.
3: <laughs>
2: well, that was an amazing <laughs> story, so you, <laughs> you got it <us> somewhere. <laughs> all right. Uh, my question
3: was I actually have innumerable questions, but I'll just ask you one, okay? And that is uh, especially since you were uh, the president of the Baseball Writers Association, Hall of Fame this year, players for next year, what's going on? What's going on? I mean, I don't know what you mean. Well, I mean, nobody this year. Well, we know will why. Anybody, will there be anybody
1: next year? Yeah, I think there will be. I, I'm, I'm not even sure who's. Uh, who's Maddox. Who's
3: Greg Maddox. Uh,
1: Greg Maddox is yeah. is up th- next year. Yeah. Okay. okay.
3: 2014.
1: Yeah, I don't think you, I didn't hey. think it was next year. Uh, I, I can't. I don't even know who's who's coming up next year. Uh, I, I think is it's is Jack Morris' last year. I believe. Next um, year, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I had—I was the president in 1989. That was the year that Pete Rose mm-hmm. came up. We, I had a, a situation where I was invited with Jack Lang, who was the Secretary Treasurer, to talk to. at a committee meeting, a Hall of Fame committee meeting in, in Manhattan at a hotel, and we were invited to go in and to give the baseball writers views on whether he belongs on the ballot or not. And we made a strong pitch, uh, as strong as we can, that Rose should be on the ballot, that the baseball writers would conduct their business in the the, the same way they always have, without prejudice, and would do the right thing. I said I I couldn't guarantee them that he would be elected or not be elected but we felt that we have earned the right to prove that we would do the right thing and we should have that opportunity. They listened to us. Some of them agreed with us. They voted us down. He was not on the ballot. And that's the only uh, experience I have with that. As far as this is concerned, I mean, we we know what's going on because uh, it's obvious if it wasn't for the steroid thing, we would be celebrating Bob Barry Bonds uh, and Roger Clemens as the new Hall of Famers.
3: Can I ask the follow-up question?
1: I voted for them. You did? yeah, okay. For them. Not all of
3: them, but those two. I've been down to Berkeley and I've read the case the McAfee versus, the civil case McAfee versus Clemens. And of course, the criminal case was thrown out right. the jury quitted the and as I read and I read going to end, I've the back of you know, it could be from the to read what the judge well, but, but the judge has done with recent motion I hope hard. But essentially, when you look at the case, a yeah. civil uh, case, there's not a whole lot of evidence. No, there is no evidence. There's, there's, no, there's, there's an no. me saying he did, there's saying we didn't. So, again, I think that quite a criminal jury that would be it out here. You know, but that really has
1: nothing to do with, with, with why I didn't vote for it. I mean, I, I don't... I, I have my suspicions on what, whether they did or didn't, but it's beside the point. I felt that if Barry Bonds had never uh, touched steroids, he still would have been a Hall of Famer. He was a Hall of Famer before. I believe that he started doing steroids after the home run race with uh, Flyer and Sosa. And I think he was jealous of all the attention that they were getting and the money and said, I'm better than those guys. And they're getting all this recognition. Why shouldn't I get that recognition? I, I don't know this for a fact. This is what I think happened. And that's why by that time, he was already a Hall of Famer. And the same with Clemens. I thought Clemens had established himself as a Hall of Famer before he... Presumably, did what he was supposed to have done. According to that. According to what? Nah. Committee. Yeah, right. But I mean, there's enough evidence, and <laughs> that there's, a, there's
3: a <laughs> that's all the evidence.
1: Well, suspicion that's is pretty high. You
3: know, the if I said to you, I am going to recommend that you be off the baseball writers uh, 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 because I suspect. That you abuse
2: drugs. Is that suspicious?
1: Well, if, if, if I was wearing size seven <laughs> two years <laughs> later I was wearing a size nine, I mean, maybe that, that would be a reason to be suspicious.
3: But it's my word against yours.
2: Sure.
1: And, and I'm not here to, to defend or, or to uh, attack, I'm not the, the steroid police. It's not my job.
0: So, a question I have a question that relates to that. Bond, you, your voter, and Clemens because you thought they were Hall of yeah. Fame worthy before they did it.
2: Right.
0: And I don't want to really single out a guy such Sing as A Rod or whatever, so but he- let, let's say a guy like A Rod, where it's extremely unclear when he started, not going by his word, because it's meaningless what he says, but <laughs> he's proved to lie numerous times about this. So he may have started as a rookie, for all we know, or he may have started later, he may have ended, who knows, whenever. How do you handle a guy like that?
1: I, I just uh, had to go by my gut, my instinct, and my instinct tells me that he he didn't start out as a steroid user, and he was a pretty damn good player. He was the best shortstop in the game uh, bef- before I believe he started using steroids. That's my so, but I'll cross that bridge when I when I come to it. I hope I'm around <laughs> to both of them at that time. He'd be a tough one, but. There are some that aren't so tough. I, I couldn't vote for Maguire. I know what made him, I don't know, I believe I know what made him into a, a home run champion, a one-dimensional player. I, I couldn't vote for him. And I felt the same way about Sosa. I don't know who else. Another, another a guy he has. Ha- he yeah, is, is, is another one that was difficult to, to read. I mean, I think he was—he was a Hall of Famer. A, a, he's the he's statistically, he's the best hitting catcher in the history of the game. Yes, better than Gabby
2: Hartnett. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh, how much of that can we attribute to? I don't know. I mean, here's a guy who was drafted what six hundredth and became a. Maybe he was doing it back then. I don't know.
0: Well, let me just... And then we'll move off of this topic. But if as given your experience and position with the Baseball Writers Association, just if your gut instinct, do you think Barry Bonds will eventually be voted in? Not, not your vote, but in general.
1: It's hard for me to say because I don't know. Here's the thing about the... Uh, about voting for the Hall of Fame. First of all, as we know, it's a very difficult thing. It's seventy-five percent of anything. I mean, we elected presidents who, who with less than fifty percent <laughs> of the, of the uh, vote. But the other thing is, it's a, it's, it's not a fixed group. It's a constantly changing group. And in five years from now, th- there's going to be maybe a hundred new writers, and a hundred of the present writers are not going to be voting anymore. And the new writers, I think, are going to be a little bit more uh, accepting of, of, of him. They're not going to be as they're not going to be as conservative as the older guys who think, "Oh, the worst thing in the world is they did steroids." So I think, yeah, there will come a time. But the other problem is he only has a fifteen-year window, and he doesn't get elected. Pete Rose's time has, has passed him by.
2: Right. He can only
1: be in, uh, inducted now through the Veterans Committee. I happen to be on one of the veterans committees.
4: Now. <laughs> <laughs> I have actually a related question, So, uh, as far as the as far as the voting goes, so here we have four four guys. Two two are easy.
1: Two are no brainers. How
4: about how about the other two? I mean, Posada, maybe Posada more than Penick. But what, what's your thinking? Not for me. Neither of them.
1: Not no not right now. No, I mean. If Jim Cotton and, and Tommy John are not in, how can I justify uh, voting for uh, Pettit? I just don't see it. Now, and, and the, the one thing that everybody talks about Pettit, the reason he stands out is because of his postseason. Look at all the opportunities he had to pitch in his postseason. And, yeah, what
4: well, was it, ten or something?
1: Yeah. I mean, th- to say the greatest postseason pitcher in baseball history, well, I don't think it was back 30-some-odd years.
4: So it's just more like. Games. There's also more games. The wild card and all the other. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's. In fact, Mariano Rivera
1: is not the greatest closer of all time. You know, the greatest closer of all time is Cy Young, <laughs> seven hundred <laughs> <500 laughs> <million. laughs> How do you beat that? <laughs> I wanted to ask a question, Jake.
2: Um, Phil, you and I have talked on numerous
4: occasions
2: over the last
4: what, ten years. We never talked about Derek Jeter specifically, and I want to ask you, when did you realize watching Derek Jeter play that he was a ball player?
1: Pretty early. I I mean was there one
4: specific play to
1: turn this whole thing one in? play well the one not play in that play Well that, that, yeah, not play. In that play. That may certainly open your eyes because how do you have that kind of instinct to be in, in to be out of position? What I took the instinct that that took that shows. Me. and then the other thing is uh, they want a pennant with a rookie shortstop. That's unheard of. There's so many things about him that uh, just jump out at you and then his, his durability. I, whoever thought he was going to get 3,000 hits? I mean just unbelievable. He never came out of games. I think I, I had a, a, I think it's, he played 140 games in something like 15 seasons. 140 games a year. I mean, that's hard to believe. He's such a mystery man, though. I mean, he really is. What do we know of I wrote I a whole thing about <coughs> it. We don't know anything about him He's been here for 20 years, and we don't... Do you know what religion he is? I don't. Do you know what kind of music he likes? I don't know. Do you know... Uh, does, he, does he go to theater? I never heard him go to theater. You see you see other athletes going backstage there's <coughs> so many things about him we don't know
2: mm.
1: yes you
0: um, by the way I believe he was raised Catholic you believe no his
5: mother's mother's mother. my father my brother's mother a couple of times and my neighbor in Jersey knew him as a little boy in Cape May with his grandmother and he would have always grabbed open and that something Sunday okay, <laughs>
2: okay. <laughs> but does he go now? about that? Uh, that I don't know his <laughs> 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 mother's he goes. <laughs> uh, probably,
1: if my mother was around, I'd go too. <laughs> You're probably right. But I mean, we don't have a hit. That's not, not a put down. I, that's actually that, That's something admirable that he's able to insulate himself when he's such a public
2: figure. In the, New York, and all places. Yeah. yeah. Did,
1: did anybody see that uh, special that they did just before he broke the record? Uh, H, was it HBO? Did it? Right. Yeah. Where he has yeah. this coterie of his yeah. friends General that
4: Williams he. And those guys, yeah, Gerald Williams. But but yeah. Gerald yeah. Williams, yeah. I
1: can understand. Most of them were, were just average guys. people. They yeah. weren't, weren't players. Yeah. He's got this uh, woman who cooks for him, and right. he he tell, he listens to whatever he she tells him. He has to eat, <laughs> and he doesn't have. A baseball package. Come on, that's
2: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>, expensive. <laughs> I mean, he, he's just—he's he, a mystery. It's
4: better than getting in trouble. Yeah, that's a good yeah. thing. Yeah. That could be a good thing, though.
1: And he has avoided all kind of controversy, all scandal.
5: The raised, I think—I think his father. It's yeah. nonsense guys yeah. well, yeah. and his true, mother he's, like, he's, yeah. like, he's yeah. like 40 years old he's not right.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah the, the upbringing uh, the, the, the framework was laid down but still I mean I was raised kind of like that but I set, <laughs> I, <set up. laughs> I have the pleasure of seeing all four of
2: these
5: guys play the monolates and I can honestly tell you that Mariano and Posada to me were these guys are lucky that I really didn't see him come with those two. But the Yankees do such great work with the catching that Masada was able to be converted. So after a while, I was like, why I that? I should never have doubted yeah, well. Whereas Jeter, that was a no-brainer, even though I think his first three wins Greensboro he made like 35 errors or mm-hmm. something like that, which is common for a short time. May mm-hmm. have well, too. Yes. And with Pettit, I saw him uh, opening day for the Albany Colony Yankees in New Britain, And his voice was so amazing, almost good in life but without you know, the, the, the fastball. I mean, he was just in just totally controlled the mouth. And I, like I said, I Junior and there were no free. I knew they were going to be. But I my mean, surprised me. It's like, so skinny. It's just wiry. It just didn't look like it it's
1: Yeah. Like the game. <laughs> He's probably the same height, and, uh, well, he's the same, like, same weight as he was when he was uh, a, a first year pro. I even saw layers. And I said, Man, he's going to help.
5: And sure enough, he had that big home in one of the World Series in 96. He was uh, one oh. ball there for them. But uh, yeah, Posada and Rivera were,
2: wow. I just I, just, I could not believe mm-hmm.
0: it. before we get to the next question, I just want to give, since we spoke so fondly of Mariano in many ways, uh, just a quick shout out, many of you may have seen this article in the New, in the New York Times, uh, Buddy is here tonight, and Buddy put together this amazing Get Well book to Mariano, where he had people, he just took it around and asked people to sign a sketchbook, ranging from sanitation workers to Brook Shields to <laughs> Cornell West to the average guy, and it's, a, it's fascinating, you could look it up on the, in the New York Times, I'm sure. Or you, please talk to Buddy after because it's it's an amazing story uh, of what he did for for no he wasn't looking for anything other than to wish Mariana r- yeah, well. Was, it's, yeah. it's really something. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Uh, you were also the beat writer for the Yankees, I believe, when they were winning in the 1970s? When you were doing your research and getting the, on, on the core board, did Mickey mind with any of players from that particular? No, game? <laughs> not,
1: yeah. not at all. I mean, it was so different. Those guys—they they weren't a close knit group of guys. A couple of individuals, you know. You had Reggie Jackson in the middle of all <laughs> of this. Uh, not, not really. I never, I never made that connection.
2: Can you talk about anything that George Steinbrenner how he interacted with them as a group or even individually?
1: Not really, but you know, these guys. I really wasn't around with them when he was there. Yeah, the time brothers of the sons. Did
5: you interview them? or not. Yeah. Let me just pick you
1: back
4: In the uh, press release find Books, I read it before I came here, and <laughs> it looked as though the angle was: this is a diverse group of people who come together become the core four of the finest people. <laughs> There were
1: the Yankees of the 1990s and early 2000s. I'm not sure I understand what. It just seemed like there was.
4: Because it was the Panamanian kid, right. and was college, college, and there was this kid from Colombo, there
1: was. Yeah, I don't think they hang like, out together. And I don't know, because I don't travel with them, but I don't think that they are really close buddies. I don't. Well, Prasanna and, and Gina, well, they, they, they are close still to this day. But I don't even know who Mariano hangs out with. I don't know who petted Imagine at one time it was, I know it was (laughs) Cleveland. All I'm
4: saying was it was an an attractive angle from the release itself. I said, okay, I can see because I always talk about how the Yankees are the most diverse team in baseball. And just reading the press release on the way here, I said, oh my God, this is exactly what that is.
1: It's funny, baseball teams, they're together so, so much of the year, and they become Friendly, but after they, they are playing. Not, I, they don't stay that close.
4: Right, they go their separate ways. Yeah, certainly. Uh,
1: the, that Yank, those Yankee teams you were talking about, Munson was, was friendly with most guys, but they. I don't think he was really that. Reggie was friendly with one guy, so.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> they would hang out at airports <laughs> when they when they travel and things like that, but. Uh, they go out to dinner together, maybe, but they weren't
3: close. Well, I remember uh, about a year or so ago, Sports Illustrated came out with an article of the core four, and they mentioned in the article that it was, I guess, they were the reporter, core four out to lunch, and they mentioned it was the first time in their career that they all went out to lunch together.
1: That wouldn't have surprised me.
3: I
0: think that if you were going to interview any of the four. The nicest you would ever meet was would, would be Mariano Rivera. He would sit with you for all the time you want.
1: How do you know that? Ed Randall. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. And I met Rivera once, but he's the sweetest guy in the world. I'd spend all night with
3: him. Really? I want to sneak something in. He uh, <laughs> did vote. He for the sweetest guy right? <laughs> I <can't>
0: <laughs> <know>. <laughs> I think you voted for Tim Raines. This is like Watergate here. Anyway, anyway,
3: he deserved it. That's all. Never gonna get in. Going to get in? Never.
2: Why? Blue Rock
0: deserved to get in. Tim Raines beat
1: him in eight offensive
2: categories. His feeling average was seventy points higher
1: than any Well, even if you convince me,
2: <laughs> I'm so I'm convinced me, I still got to convince another six hundred people show up. <laughs> Come
0: here every night for three years, you get <laughs> yeah, through yeah,
3: yeah, mom's it mom's <laughs> so I'm just curious, would it be accurate to say that the more success these guys had, it was harder and harder to live up to so their example? Like the core, like the inner circle closed and that you really had a hard time, even a uh, had a hard time, just kind of getting into that inner circle once you got anointed maybe by G like to share or like
1: Yeah, I, It's hard for me to even address that because I'm not around them. I, mean, I I was around guys who were on that level and they were, they were fine and they, because I had uh, a track record with them I, mean, I was fairly friendly with Reggie Jackson, I was fairly friendly with uh, Thurman Munson and Ron Guidry, but of course I was there every day and we traveled and it's different now because writers don't even travel with the teams anymore they don't stay in the same hotel, they don't fly on the, on the plane, they, they're not allowed on the on the team bus, when I was covering we flew on the, the charter with them, we rode the bus to and from the, the ballpark on the road with them, we stayed in the same hotel you might be having breakfast in the a, in a, uh, coffee shop and he was one of the players, and maybe he'd come and sit with you. I mean, it was so different then. I don't know what it's like now. When did
2: that change? When
1: did it change? Did it change? And why did it change? Well, I think it changed for two reasons. Uh, the, they just decided that they didn't want the, the, the uh, media to have that kind of access where they could... And there have been some stories written, that, that were written, on because they had that access. So they just wanted to seal that off and... and uh, and the other thing is that the writers began to uh, stay at different hotels because they were getting bonus points. <laughs> <Staying> <laughs> <at different hotels. laughs> you know, why should we stay at this hotel like over there? And, and why should I fly with them? I'll take my own plane and get these bonuses. <laughs> 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 uh, fly, what uh, do you call it? Frequent uh, flyer line. yeah. 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 So, but I think it's man I mean, it, it used to, Players always made more money than, than the writers, obviously. But the disparity wasn't as great then as it is now. And I don't know what that life is like. I don't know that I could... I, I enjoy the fact that you got to, uh, you got to have conversations with, with players. Uh, you'd sit with them in the hotel. I remember one time sitting with the... We were in Anaheim and... It was late at night, and I was about to go up to my room. And here's, I see Thurman Munson in the coffee shop, and he's picking out a bag of potato chips, a bag of fruit. I said, What are you doing? He said, Oh, I missed dinner tonight. He said, I said, Well, don't eat that garbage. I said, There's an all night hamburger joint up the soup, I don't like to eat alone. I said, Well, I'll sit with you. Oh, you wouldn't? Yeah. Well, he was surprised. So I went and we sat. We talked about two and a half hours. And one of the things that we talked about, he wanted, he invited me to go up and fl- to his plane, fly with me. I said,
2: <laughs> I'm <30 minutes. laughs> not
1: going to do that. Said, you have nothing to worry about. He says, "I don't care if you live or die, but I care if I live or die." And two weeks later, he was killed. So, but I mean, that was the, that was the way it was. And I don't know, I don't know that it's that way now. I don't know that these guys have that kind of access. It's, I'm told that when you go into the Yankee Club, not only the Yankees—I'm not picking on them—go into the clubhouse. The players aren't even sitting at their lockers, there are so many rooms and crevices and compartments in those the, uh, brand new clubhouses, that they hide or they, they're doing other things, they're watching video, they're watching whatever, but you, you could always go into, in my day, always go into the clubhouse and half of the players would be sitting by their locker and you could pull up a stool and sit next to them and chat with them. I don't know that they, they do that
2: nowadays.
4: Is that because they now have press brief, uh, a PR director, media relations people, all these other handlers walking around and, and staging these events after the post-game pregames? You
1: no, know, I don't think it's that's the, the reason. I think it's, uh, it's another thing. We used to be able to go into the manager's office at Liberty, whatever we felt like it, within reason. I mean, once I think the 30 minutes before game time, everybody was out of the clubhouse. But if I wanted to ask, Lou Pinella question when he was managing I just go into his office and sit back you can't do that now You, they have a prescribed time if the manager is available and you're either there for that and if you're not you're out of luck and I don't know whether that's true of all the writers the guys who are there every day whether they have any kind of special privileges with the manager I just don't know the answer I suspect they don't so it's really it's different it's changed I don't, it's, it can't be as much fun I mean the things that you you pick up just to, just by hanging around. I used to sit with Billy Martin in his office. He'd be watching cartoons on television, <laughs> <laughs> and people would come in, and you know they'd be. You, you could ask him a question. You could just sit there and do nothing, whatever. But you know you were welcome. And sometimes you pick up stuff that you never know when you're going to be able to use it. I was sitting in the in the office once in Baltimore with him. And this guy knocks on the door, and Billy says, hey, get something, and he gives the guy a big hug. And they talk, and they talk, and they're talking for a few minutes, and then he leaves. And I said to somebody, who is that? He says, that's Dave Boswell. That's the guy Billy punched out (laughs) (laughs) in Minnesota. (laughs) And now he comes in here, and they were like long-lost friends. (laughs) Those things, I don't think those things happen anymore.
0: What's your favorite story from the teams you covered in the 70s? (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: but, uh, I you were going to say uh, my favorite player. One, well, my, one of my favorite, to- one of my favorite guys to be to be around. Still to this day, is Sparky Lyle.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sparky Lyle
1: is one of the greatest people. I mean, he he had the perfect temperament for for a relief pitcher. Never got too high when he won. Never got too low when he lost. He took everything in stride. He was approachable. Win or lose, always the same. He was he's tremendous. He still is to this day. He's not managing anymore. They, they took him out, off that job. But my, my favorite story was when I'm on the bus and this young lady, we're in Chicago, this young lady comes on, on the bus and she wanted autographs. And someone said, do you, do you have any paper? She says, no, she didn't have any paper. She was wearing jeans. So where are we going to sign? so the players signed and later on I asked Sparky did you sign he says yeah I signed it Albert Walton Sparky Lyle Jr (laughs) 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 and that's a me that's typical of
2: Sparky
0: (laughs) and on that note which (laughs) is a good one uh, we're going to have to say farewell to the podcast audience uh, once again, for those of you here, you get the—you have the privilege to buy the book tonight. Have Phil sign it. The book, "Core Four: The Heart and Soul of the Yankees Dynasty" by Phil Pepe, published by Triumph Books. It's been a fascinating evening. You even took us down a path of <laughs> you telling Jackie Robinson that Branch Rickey passed away, and that's—it's an ama- all tremendous stories. I
1: want to see her
0: and Perry Barber who had a (laughs) (laughs) for those of you listening you have no idea what you're missing
2: (laughs) (laughs) thank you Phil. (laughs) thank you (laughs) how do you do that